And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the coronavirus news. The story behind the coronavirus story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Get in touch. My email address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and leave your rants at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. So over the weekend, we had a lot of uh, developments, both positive and negative. We, uh, we've learned now that the president is going to be extending these CDC guidelines until April 30th. Uh, the aspiration of being able to to uh, sort of uh, start recovering from this and getting out of our houses and going back to work by Easter is now uh, off the table. And, uh, and this is, of course, because the president is uh, looking to the advice of his experts. But these experts he's listening to are all, um, you know, government bureaucrats. And a government bureaucrat will always, always give you the worst case scenario. That's how they rise to their positions. It's called CYA, cover your butt. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, the things that we actually know about this crisis at this moment are, are almost nothing. These numbers that we're hearing about confirmed cases, uh, are meaningless. Uh, they, uh, you've got Hillary Clinton saying, uh, that, you know, America's finally first in something. We've got the most confirmed cases. We don't know that. We just know that we're doing more testing than any other country. And so we know, uh, you know, we know more of the cases, but, uh, uh, the, the, the cases, the number of confirmed cases that have actually been diagnosed and tested are just a, a tip of the iceberg. Um, what I guess we can count on is the number of deaths. And over the weekend, that number climbed past 2000 and Anthony Fauci is, uh, who is, uh, you know, always, uh, doing the worst case scenario, the president should listen to him and then make an independent decision, but the media just will not have that. And so the president has once again, uh, deferred to the so-called experts and, and extended these, uh, social distancing guidelines. And none of the governors, despite the fact that each of our 50 states are sovereign and can make their own decisions. And, and all of these orders are on the uh, to stay inside or on the authority of the state governments, not the federal government. The federal government are just issuing these guidelines, and the uh, governors are you know following uh, like lemmings. There, I don't think there's any reason for the uh, economies in places like the Dakotas or Wyoming or Idaho, where they have you know just a tiny handful of cases to be closed down. Each of uh, our gov- our state governments should be responding on its own with uh, backstop and support and guidance from the federal government. But uh, you know, just like these government bureaucrats, these governors are not gonna they're not gonna take a chance that uh, they can lift these orders and then their their state uh, have more cases, and so they're going to follow along like lemmings. 
So at his press conference yesterday, the, the president announced that uh, Abbott Labs now has a five-minute coronavirus test where you, or, or I should say a test where you can get your results, whether or not you're positive of coronavirus or negative, in five minutes. That's a fantastic bit of development. I think they're going to be shipping by the middle of the month. Uh, I think he said twelve or 15,000 of these things. That's enough to put them you know, in most counties uh in the country so that uh, you can get these tests quickly and uh you know the press conference if you actually took the meat of it it was it was informative it was encouraging i didn't like that you know there uh the federal government continues to uh extend this crisis but once again once again the president got bogged down in his arguments with these petty fake news media uh, lunatics and sort of, you know, buried his own lead, buried his own headlines. He engaged with, uh, you know, Michi Alcindor and CNN and other news media who are there to get a soundbite. They're there, there to get on TV. They don't care about the well-being of the country. What they want to do is play gotcha games. And instead of treating them like the chihuahuas that they are, you know, just kicking them in the bathroom and closing the door, the president feels the need to to uh, bark back at them. And once again, he went on these this 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 tear where he's uh, talking about his ratings in the news conferences and uh, compared them in a tweet on uh, Sunday of the bachelor finality and Monday night football, just totally inappropriate. The man doesn't have a filter, you know, that, that can be good because you know what your leaders are thinking, but it can certainly be bad when he gets bogged down in these petty arguments. At one point, uh, during the press conference, uh, the president pointed out that, um, he suspected that uh, many of the, these products and supplies that he's sending to the States are being unaccounted for. He pointed out, you know, the huge increase in the number of mask and personal protective equipment that he's sending out and that it really doesn't make sense that these, these, uh, governors are still complaining that they, and it's not just the governors, it's the people on the front lines in these hospitals complaining that they don't have these supplies. And the president wondered what was happening to them. That statement was made that they've been delivering for years, 10 to 20,000 masks. Okay, it's a New York hospital. Very, It's packed all the time. How do you go from 10 to 20 to 300,000? 10 to 20,000 masks to 300,000, even though this is different. Something's going on. And you ought to look into it as reporters. Where are the masks going? Are they going out the back door? How do you go from 10,000 to 300,000 uh, and we have that in a lot of different places. So somebody should probably look into that because I just don't see from a practical standpoint how that's possible to go from that to that. And we have that happening in numerous places and not to that extent. That was the highest number I've heard. That's the highest number you've seen, I would imagine, right? So, but this man. Someone should look into that. How about the FBI? How about, uh, you know, offices of inspector generals? Those are uh, those are armed police officers that can ins- inspect this. But that was uh, one of the big stories that the media took away from the press conference. Oh, the president accused the state governors of stealing supplies. 
they made it they made it sound like you know it was another conspiracy theory that was from Trump's fevered brow until Andrew Como came on and said this. Uh, one of the things we've heard from healthcare professionals, uh, there have been thefts of uh, medical equipment uh, and masks from hospitals, believe it or not. Uh, not just people taking a couple or three, I mean, just actual uh, thefts of those products. Uh, I've asked the state police to do an investigation, uh, look at marketplaces that are selling masks, uh, et cetera, medical equipment, protective wear, playing into this, exploiting the anxiety. Well, Como there is saying, well, there, maybe there are thefts. We've heard of that. You know, I think I, my theory is something different going on. I think a lot of these governors are stockpiling and hoarding these supplies uh, to protect themselves against the worst case scenario that Anthony Fauci is out there trumpeting. They think they got to get this stuff while they can, and they're going to take care of their, their states first. And if you can continue to get the federal government to ship these over the top kind of numbers and then put them in, uh, in storage in case you need them or for a future date, then that will serve your political interests. We know after, um, you know, days of Andrew Como claiming he doesn't have enough ventilators. We, uh, it turns out that he had 10,000 of them. It may be even more, but tens of thousands of them, uh, stockpiled in warehouses. They were not on the front lines where he was claiming that they were desperately needed. Of course, he's, you know, looking toward the peak. I understand that, but he needs to, uh, he needs to say that he doesn't need to say, we don't have the ventilators that we need now, he needs to say, we don't have the ventilators that we think we're going to need in a couple of weeks. There's been a lot of just failure to adequately explain to the American people what's going on. None is larger than this issue of the numbers. You know, you had Hillary Clinton cynically tweeting out that America, uh, that Donald Trump promised us America first. Well, now, you know, we're first in the number of reported cases those those numbers bear no relation to reality. All they indicate is that the United States is testing more of its citizens than any other country. And after taking all of that heat from inadequate testing, the the media doesn't want to uh, explain to the American people that uh, you know our testing is is the best in the world, it's the most extensive in the world, and yet, and yet, it only represents a, a small tip of the iceberg. They're only testing people that actually are showing symptoms. You have to have a hundred and one hundred one point four, I think it is, a temperature and a dry cough in order to uh, to get testing because they have a limited amount. But there are for every one person that's tested and is positive, there are probably well, an, you know, an unknown number walking around carriers of the virus that are showing no symptoms. And so ultimately what's going to happen with all of this is, uh, you know, this is going to be released into the population. People will de develop antibodies, uh, the so-called herd strategy. And, uh, and people will, uh, you know, start being able to fight this virus off on its own. In the meantime, we've got to, we've got to deal with this uh, over the top uh, government response. 
we're at the mercy now of a, uh, a Chinese virus that we don't know where it came from. They tell us it's a wet market and we're supposed to ignore the fact that it's, you know, in the same exact city, in the same exact geographical area where China operates its germ warfare laboratory. Oh, did I say germ warfare? <laughs> I'll be accused of being a conspiracy theorist. That is a, a viral study center that just happened to have a virus emerge from it that doesn't occur naturally in nature and seems designed to uh, to be as deadly as possible. One, having a, a huge contagion with no um, no symptoms showing up for a couple of weeks and then being deadly. Now, it's not as deadly as SARS or H1N1, which were also Chinese viruses, but it's far more contagious and, uh, and you stay contagious without showing any symptoms. And then by the time you get it, uh, you know, a, a certain number of people uh, are going to die. And it, you know, if you're not successful, they're telling us this by the millions. So I've got a clip here. This is Tom Cotton appearing on Maria Bartiromo's Sunday Futures talking about the origins of this and what is to be done. Back in January, I knew that this virus had the potential to become a worldwide pandemic for two reasons. Not because I'm a scientist or an epidemiologist, but because I could see, one, how the Chinese Communist Party was lying, and two, the dramatic extreme measures they were taking, like locking in 75 million people into their homes and apartment buildings. Those two things simply did not line up. You see it again today. So, for instance, China says they have no more new cases, no more new deaths, yet they just closed all movie theaters nationwide only a few days after having opened them up. Or look at some of the mortuaries in Wuhan themselves. Itself, they say they've only had 2,500 cases that have resulted in deaths or so. Yet a single mortuary has ordered more than 5,000 urns. You can look at these basic facts to know that the Chinese Communist Party is still lying today, as they were in December and January, and that's why what could have been a local health problem in Wuhan turned into a global pandemic from which more than 2,000 Americans have now died. It's not just that they won't allow the CDC into the country. They also have kicked out reporters from the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. That's the hallmark of a communist government that is trying to cover up the biggest story in the world. What we know now is about the same as what we knew a month ago, very little. We do know that the virus did not originate in that wet market in Wuhan. Even the Chinese Communist Party has now acknowledged so that. All the way back in December, though, we knew that origin story was a myth. The Lancet published a study of the first 40 cases of coronavirus, and 14 of them had no contact with that market. So the virus went into that market, which acted as an accelerant before it came out of that market. As for what's happened in that uh, bio uh, safety level four laboratory, the super lab in Wuhan, we still don't know because the Chinese Communist Party refuses to come clean. We do know that they have researched coronaviruses and filed legislation that would insist that we stop our reliance on China, that we bring back that manufacturing capability to the United States and give tax incentives for people who do that, that we use the federal government's purchasing power through agencies and programs like Medicare, Medicaid, the Department of Defense, and the VA to create a domestic market for pharmaceuticals made in America, and that we ultimately cut off the imports of all Chinese drugs. Well, you know, it might be a story worth the media pursuing the actual origins of this. Uh, why aren't we seeing any stories in the media about the characteristics of this virus and how it doesn't occur in nature? It um, It is a hybrid-type virus. 
But no, you know, the media is too busy, bogged down and in, in playing these word games with the president and the president sadly is engaging them. We got to run out of break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-631-9241. 800-631-9241. That's 800-631-9241. So you're going to want to listen to the second half of today's show. We're going to have Lieutenant General, I'm sorry, Brigadier General, a retired Air Force officer, Robert Spaulding, to talk about his book, um, the what is it, the How China Took Over While America's Elites Slept. Uh, it's an encore interview uh, that I did a couple of months ago, but it's very prescient is the word they like to use. Uh, has a great deal of foresight on the situation we're in with China, and uh, you're going to want to listen to that. Here's a clip of uh, General Spaulding appearing with the Epoch Times talking about China's germ warfare. But it's hard for people to grasp how powerful this this new type of warfare is because we're so used to the traditional um, type of warfare with planes and ships and bombs and tanks. Um, General Spaulding, uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, the CCP somehow created the virus. I just want you to clarify what you mean by that, because there's all sorts of people saying all sorts of things that the CCP created it versus their narrative that the U.S. created it. What do you mean by that? Uh, What I said is they created the global pandemic. Okay, and they created the global pandemic because they were they actually just had the samples destroyed of this initial uh, samples taken from the the sick uh, in Wuhan where they had the uh, the genome sequenced and they destroyed all of that. They destroyed the evidence. They covered up. They hid. They uh, they prevented researchers from getting into the country. And they basically said, well, they see no evidence of. Uh, human-to-human um, uh, uh, spread of the virus. At the same time, hundreds of thousands of people were leaving Wuhan and going to all points of the compass. So I don't, I'm not claiming that they created the virus, although we won't know because we're not gonna, they're not going to allow CDC observers to get to the P4 lab or speak to researchers or really do the required forensic investigation. But we what we can say with certainty, with absolute 100% certainty, is that the Chinese Communist Party created the global pandemic. Well, they certainly did create the global pandemic. And if they weren't, in fact, engaging in experimentation to develop this virus in that Wuhan 
germ laboratory, then why, why have they engaged in such a massive cover-up? You know, one of the legal theories or uh, legal arguments you make is a so-called consciousness of guilt. If you see someone covering up and trying to hide their actions, you can, uh, you can assume the worst. And, uh, you know, there have been a lot of stories about this, uh, this virus, how it was uh, developed, uh, how it has characteristics that do not occur naturally in nature, and how the virus is, uh, is sort of designed to be uh, the most deadly um, uh, in its, its uh, behaviors as possible. I've got a clip here. This is Rita Panahi. She's from the Herald Sun in the UK talking about China's cover-up. Talk about China's culpability and conduct throughout the coronavirus crisis that began in a Wuhan wet market. The Chinese communist regime not only lied, destroyed evidence and allowed the virus to spread, but it arrested doctors who back in December tried to warn the world about what was happening in Wuhan. Some of the whistleblowers arrested and accused of fabricating, disseminating and spreading rumours have since died. Other domestic critics from a property tycoon to video bloggers have vanished. China is not a regime that tolerates dissent. China's initial cover-up included destroying lab samples that established in December the cause of unexplained viral infections in the Hubei province. How many lives would have been saved if China had listened to experts instead of silencing them? Probably end up being millions. By the University of Southampton suggests China could have prevented 95% of infections if it had implemented tough measures just three weeks earlier. But the regime only took decisive action to contain the virus around four weeks after arresting doctors and other whistleblowers. So these are the kind of stories that ought to be being covered by the mainstream media. The mainstream media, we know, is uh, is globalist. It's owned by global corporate interests who are absolutely uh, dead set on against offending China because they see that as the emerging big market. They want to get in there. They want to make their money. And they're turning a blind eye to the biggest story um, of their careers. I can't think of a, a bigger story since possibly World War II. And the president, instead of trying to guide this conversation, uh, you know, and uh, and call the media out to actually do their job, is engaging with them in petty, stupid arguments like this. I'd also like to ask you about some comments you made on Friday. Uh, you were talking about governors of different states, and you said, I want them to be appreciative. Uh, you also said, if they don't treat you right, but I, didn't I say don't that. call. I uh, didn't these say are direct, no, direct quotes, a, sir. Excuse me. Ready? 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 Take a look at what I said. I want them to be appreciative of me, okay? And then you cut it off because it's okay. fake news. You and of your administration, Listen, just, absolutely. Please, let me just finish it. You just said it again, and you know the answer's a lie. You know the I could read you your full comments, sir. Let, let me just say, look, easier. see, I'm just getting, I'm just getting fed up with this, this kind of nonsense. The president ought not to engage in it. He ought to open these news conferences by saying, you know, we're only going to deal with substantive issues. I don't want to deal with your gotcha questions. If you're going to issue a, or ask a gotcha question, I'm just going to say that I'm not answering it, and we're going to move along to the next reporter. 
Start trying to impose a little discipline on these idiots and don't engage with them. At the mercy of politicians, government bureaucrats, and this fanatic fake news media. On top of trying to deal with a a communist party virus that we really don't even know the origins to. If they want to hit us again with this, they could. All they have to do is look at the disaster it's caused the first time. And this is a roadmap to the defeat of the United States. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Brigadier General Robert Spaulding, author of The Stealth War. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. While much has been said in recent years about the damage our disastrous trade relationship with China has done to the U.S. economy and middle-class jobs, the real threat that that communist dictatorship poses to America goes even deeper. Our next guest reveals the shocking depth to which China has infiltrated America's institutions and compromised our national security. Retired Air Force General, Brigadier General Robert S. Spaulding is a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute focusing on U.S.-China relations and economic and national security issues. He's also a former director for the Strategic Planning at the National Security Council and a former B-2 stealth pilot. General Spaulding is author of the upcoming book, Stealth War, How China Took Over While America's Elites Slept. You can pre-order the book now on Amazon for an October 1st delivery. General Spaulding, thank you for joining us on right now. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, I guess I'd start by uh, just asking you to give us a broad overview of the economic and military threat that uh, communist China poses to America and the other Western democracies. Well, I think you gave a good uh, overview in your uh, in your presentation uh, or your uh, preview of my uh, book. The um, you know since uh, China entered the WTO, uh, the United States has lost over seventy thousand factories. Uh, 3.4 million manufacturing jobs, 
and probably four jobs uh, in support of each of those. So over 13 million jobs have been lost since China entered the WTO in America with the associated um, health benefits and retirement benefits that those jobs carried with them. And not only that, the industrial base that those factories represented means that today we have, you know, Chinese companies manufacturing circuit boards for F-35. So when you say the words defense industrial base in the United States, it no longer means anything. But more than that, their ability to force U.S. corporations to censor their employees. Uh, I talk about in the book the case of Roy Jones, a mid-level employee for Marriott Corporation that was fired um, because the Chinese Communist Party essentially called Marriott and said, uh, Roy Jones would like to tweet about Tibet. We don't like it, and we want you to fire him and apologize, and Marriott did. Uh, and you, if, if you've been following what's been going on in Hong Kong, they've done the same thing with Cathay Airlines, the CEO, and ended up quitting rather than exposing employees to censure or firing. Of course, uh, subsequently those employees were fired. So their ability to not only coerce American corporations, but uh, the, the politicians, uh, Wall Street, academia, think tanks, law firms. You know, when I was in the White House, I couldn't get a law firm or a think tank to help me. Uh, expose or come up with policy options for what China was doing because they were all worried about angering their Chinese funders or customers. So it's a big problem in democracies. It's not just the United States. It's happening all over the world. So it's not just economic and trade. It's the entire um, democratic society that we we have come to uh, know and love. Well, you know, unlike the old uh, communist Soviet Union during the Cold War, I'm a, a product of the Cold War myself, uh, and the way we treated the Soviet Union, we have um, treated China as sort of a strategic trading partner and turned that dictatorship into an economic and military superpower, which is now challenging us on so many fronts. Why, in, in your opinion, did our foreign policy elites allow this? Why, what was the blind spot that uh, they, they had with China that they saw so clearly with the old Soviet Union? Yeah, if you remember the uh, the book The World is Flat by Milton Friedman or Thomas Friedman, there was this belief that open markets lead to wealth, and then over time wealth will lead to democracy. Uh, of course, um, that hasn't happened because the Chinese Communist Party figured this out, and uh, after the, uh, they squashed the uh, Tiananmen uprising, essentially massacring uh, the students in the square, they basically redesigned their society to take advantage of all the benefits of globalization and the Internet, really the open open free world that was created after the end of World War II uh, because we gave them access to it. And they, they began to not only erode the economies, the, the, the financial systems, the trading arrangements uh, of the, around the globe of democracies, they began to, you know, essentially push out their values and principles into the open system. And so today what you have is the decline of democracies, uh, worldwide because a lot of these emerging market countries are looking at China and saying they've developed a better model. Well, they haven't developed a better model. What they've done is they've hacked our model because we gave them the, the access to do so. So uh, these uh, emerging uh, tyrants worldwide are seeing that they can have the benefits of the, uh, of the globalist system while at the same time having an oppressive regime at home. Is that, is that what you're saying? That, that's basically it. And, uh, and if you look at what China's doing, not now they've gone forward with 
using our technology. So the technology developed by companies like Facebook, Amazon, and uh, Google to uh, automate suppression of their society. What they want to do with this uh, with Huawei is essentially build out global networks, and then with Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, essentially their versions of uh, Facebook, Amazon, and Google, roll out this. You know, e-commerce model around the world that allows them to really have much more control and influence in democracies worldwide. Well, and uh, Google and Facebook have also helped China develop this social score system, which is allowing them to automate their uh, repressive, um, you know, controls over their population. And now they're rolling it out uh, against American corporations. And I don't doubt that it's a matter of time before they uh, roll it out against American citizens. Well, that's exactly right. You know, Facebook, Amazon, and Google really want access to the 1.4 billion Chinese. They want to sell them things. And, of course, uh, you know, over the years of since they've joined the WTO, they haven't actually allowed uh, American corporations to really do well there. In fact, they, Uber, who, who had a, a big operation there, was essentially kicked out of the country because, uh, you know, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party favors Chinese companies in that in that country, it's not an open system. It's not a market-based system. It doesn't allow for fair competition, and quite frankly, that's what the that's why the tariffs are in place now. I can't help but notice that uh, China and Russia are holding joint military drills. This is a sort of a chilling development. Um, it seems that uh, our foreign policy elites blew the opportunity to capitalize on our uh, uh, the benefits of winning the Cold War and bring Russia into the Western democracies, and now we've pushed them over into the arms of China. Um, do, you, do you see that uh, as a geostrategic threat? Well, it's not just Russia. It's also North Korea and Iran. If you look at the three major military challenges that the United States have, uh, you know, China is the biggest economic partner of all three of those. Now, one of the things that, uh, if you remember, go, going back to the Cold War, it wasn't a war that we won by fighting. It was an economic war that we won because the uh, Soviet Union bankrupted itself. What China has done is maneuver the United States in the same position we had maneuvered the Soviet Union. And what they're doing is cranking up the, the problems in the Middle East. They're cranking up the problems in Europe. And they're cr- cranking up the problems in Asia to get us to spend more money on weapons so that we can bankrupt ourselves the same as the Soviets did. So that's one of the things that I was working on when I was in the Pentagon. I realized that we were in a tremendously bad position, much like we had put the Soviets in. Well, you know, we have an enduring faith in free enterprise and the capitalist system, uh, but it seems like um, if you take an oppressive regime like they have in uh, communist China, and you uh, create a hybrid capitalist system that takes advantage of uh, economic forces and at the same time becomes an oppressive regime, you've really got a recipe for a, a dystopian future that um, that we just never have contemplated before, um, you know, in the, in the Western nations. Uh, I guess I would ask you uh, to, to just go into how China is co-opting uh, American uh, financial companies uh, to make investments in their economy and transfer American technology to uh, to Chinese companies? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's really related because what we do um, through the SEC and the PCAOB, which is a, was a oversight for auditors, we essentially allow Chinese companies to tap into Western capital markets 
That means uh, our retirement funds, despite not actually having to have the same kind of audit or transparency requirements as U.S. corporations. So they go in, they do an IPO, or they sell a bond, and our uh, retirement fund will invest in that bond. Then they'll turn around, and because that money should have been put into an investment in the United States, you'll find many times those companies, particularly tech companies, are having trouble raising money, and so the Chinese will come in, use our money to buy the technology and take it back to China. So it's an ultimate of, of really just not understanding how global is advantage of us because, you know, U.S. corporations are incentivized and Wall Street is incentivized to make money. And so for those investments, Wall Street, essentially the investment bankers, make a fee on the investment that the retirement funds do in Chinese equity, so they don't really care they, as long as they get their fee. And then, of course, the inventors of technology, they, they're they at wit's end because they can't get any American investment. So here comes a Chinese uh, white knight with American money to buy them out. Of course, the investor is never going to see that money back, and, and China gets back, uh, the Chinese Communist Party gets the technology. I was blown away a few months ago when I saw that the largest retirement fund in the country, which is CalPERS, uh, the California uh, State Employees retirement fund was being uh, turned over to the um, to the stewardship of a Chinese national that that uh, seemed like uh, something that uh, you know knowing what we know about the Chinese economy and the Chinese dictatorship uh, just struck me as pure lunacy well yeah he and he was running uh, the in in China the state administration for foreign exchange so basically uh, where their foreign reserve program is run. He was running that for the Chinese Communist Party, and then he gets hired by CalPERS to run the retirement system. You know, you, you would never see anything like that during the Cold War where we would <laughs> allow, allow the Soviets to come and run our retirement system. It's just ludicrous. It's breathtaking, and, and it's uh, it, 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 you just can't even wrap your mind around the idea that uh, America would be so foolish as to allow something like that to happen. I guess I'd like to bring the com- the conversation around to uh, a, a particular current event. Um, you know, Joe Biden, when he was vice president, he took his son Hunter uh, on Air Force Two over to China. Uh, Biden was there to negotiate a, a nuclear pact. Uh, Supposed, uh, hopefully in America's interest, and his son was on board to make a billion-and-a-half-dollar deal with the Bank of China. Um, do you think that China uh, now has undue leverage over Joe Biden? And uh, and well, just what are your thoughts on that, that particular episode in general? Well, you know, after, you know, I've been after this for about five or six years and, and quite frankly, um, living most of that time in D.C. and just witnessing what, what's going on. You know, it's not just Biden. It's just about everybody uh, that, that really has a, a position to make a significant contribution to U.S. foreign policy or national security or really anything that would benefit the Chinese Communist Party. They have access to all of them because they're really smart about creating these relationships. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the person uh, in question. It can be a family member. It can be a spouse. It can be a, a child or even, you know, some other uh, relative. Well, that's, that's, actually, the way the, that's actually the way the, uh, the billionaire class does business in China is through these princelings. Uh, and, and the government officials, uh, you know, they take payoffs not directly to themselves but to their sons and daughters 
and they seem to have established that uh, that that principle here in the United States as well with uh, Hunter Biden and uh, John Kerry's stepson Chris Hines. Well, yeah, and and really it, it, it's 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 across the aisle, so it's both on the right and the left. You know, anybody again that has uh, significant um, power, political power, financial power in the United States, they've found a way to sidle up to. It's just the way it is. Now, there's a few people that are holdouts that are patriots. Uh, that have made their money and haven't really made it in China. But for the most part, if you were getting rich in America over the last 20 years, you were probably had something to do with China because we've allowed them essentially to, to hack the incentive system and really the global incentive system for corporate America. So that, you know, if you're in finance or you're in, in corporate activity, you're somehow uh, making money off China, and, and they're doing that for a specific purpose. It's a national strategic purpose, not you know a market-based kind of uh, decision-making process that we would that we we would adhere to here in the West. So you have the vice president's son Hunter uh, taking a billion and a half dollars for a upstart um, a wealth fund um, in partnership with the uh, the son stepson of the former secretary of state. And then as uh, our, our election season starts off, we hear Joe Biden saying something like this. I've, known, I've met virtually every major world leader in my role as vice president and as foreign relations chairman over the last 30 years. And that's not hyperbole. Virtually every one. I don't know a single solitary one who would not change places with the problems the president of the United States has versus the problems they have. China is going to eat our lunch Come on, man. They can't even figure out how to deal with the, 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 the fact that they have this great division between the China Sea and the mountains in the east, I mean, in the west. They can't figure out how they're going to deal with the corruption that exists within the system. I mean, I, you know, they're not bad folks, folks, but guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, they're competition for us. Now, that's either a man with a, uh, a giant blind spot or a man who's being pur- purposely dishonest because China is, in fact, already eating our lunch and has been for going on 20 years now. Well, and I would take, a, I would take very much exception to the fact where he says the Chinese Communist Party aren't bad folks. I mean, they're hooking up uh, dissidents to ECMO machines to keep them alive so there are organs can be harvested so people can go over and get, you know, a heart transplant on a regular scheduled basis. Who, I mean, you can't even imagine the horror that you, that it, it's just unimaginable to have that kind of behavior going on in the world today. Yet that's what, that's what they are. And there's literally no um, pushback by, you know, the mainstream media or anybody else that this kind of behavior is going on. They're expanding their operations in the South China Sea. They're challenging us on the navigation lanes. They're they're expanding uh, everywhere um, you know that uh, that they can. And yet we've got a the leading uh, contender for the Democrat nomination saying they're not bad folks, folks. Uh, General, we need to run out to a break. I hope you'll stick with us. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the uh, the developments in the Persian Gulf. Absolutely. Stand by.
Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling, the complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day and for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathrooms, if you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as $199 per month. Call now to schedule your free in-home consultation. 800-693-3152. 800-693-3152. That's 800-693-3152. We're talking to retired Air Force Brigadier General Robert S. Spaulding about his upcoming book, Stealth War, How China Took Over While America's Elite Slept. You can pre-order it on Amazon for arrival on October 1st. General, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on over in the Persian Gulf. It seems like um, we've become so frozen by these uh, these endless military adventures in the Middle East that we're afraid to push back on Iran, and uh, I'm afraid that Iran may have our numbers since we didn't retaliate for their uh, for their um, attacks on us uh, in the in the um, in the Straits of Hormuz. Um, and I know, or I've read at least, that uh, that China is uh, is backing the Iranian regime. Uh, how do you see this this whole conflict playing out? Well, they absolutely are. You know, the Iranians have said if, uh, if they can't sell oil, nobody will sell oil in the Persian Gulf. And, and clearly they have the capacity to go out and create these attacks. They're being supported absolutely by the Chinese to the tunes of billions of dollars plus uh, Chinese technology to, to uh, assist and aid them. You know, I think we do need to retaliate. But, I mean, one of the ways that we can retaliate if the president doesn't want to use the military against Iran, we could begin to put sanctions on Chinese banks and Chinese businesses. I think the other thing that we need to do from a strategic perspective is really rely on the energy industry here in the United States. We're pumping almost 20 million barrels a day now. Uh, we can really be a shock absorber for the world. We've spent trillions of dollars in the Middle East because literally all the oil was coming out of there. Now that we're energy independent, we need to invest in uh, refinery capacity here in the United States to include uh, natural gas to liquid like ethanol or, or, or diesel, clean diesel out of natural gas so that we can actually fund our, uh, fund our own energy situation, but also act as a shock absorber for the world. So there's a way to be strategic about this where we both grow American economy and industry and jobs, and at the same time, don't have to be worried about what's going on in the Middle East. Let the Chinese worry about that because they don't have energy. Well, you know, when it comes to the Middle East, uh, we, we went into Afghanistan with the purpose of uh, wrecking the Taliban and capturing bin Laden. Uh, and then we decided we were going to stay there despite all history to the contrary and occupy the place and turn it into a Jefferson, Jeffersonian democracy. And then we turned around and did the same thing in Iraq and we're still bogged down in, in both areas now. Uh, but that doesn't uh, forego us from, you know, taking out Iran's ability to uh, launch these cruise missiles. And uh, it seems that 
Um, everybody is so afraid now of getting bogged down in another all-out occupation that we're not uh, that we're not exercising our strategic assets, uh, you know, with the U.S. Navy and the Persian Gulf. Yeah, and if you uh, if you go back to the start uh, of, of the response to 9/11, the first strikes were done by B2s from uh, Missouri. So they took off from Missouri, flew all the way over, struck their targets, and, and came back home. We have the capability to do that. So if you wanted to go and project hit the power, Iranian, uh, revolu- right, a revolutionary guard corps, and, and, and make them pay, and they do have a lot of assets like businesses, like factories. Uh, that, the, that the Guard Corps uses to support themselves, which they, by the way, use to oppress the Iranian people, we can do that. We don't have to spend $60 billion a year in Afghanistan and then forego that money being put into U.S. infrastructure, industrial-based STEM education or research and development like we have for the last 30 years. Well, the, the, uh, the, um, the formula that I remember from my Navy days was uh, when somebody attacks you, you remove that asset from the, the board, and then they, can, uh, they have to think twice about whether or not they want to sacrifice uh, you know, more military assets. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I would just say that um, you can you can certainly do that. Uh, of course, you know I saw a lot of that during the Coastal World War, where we were taking out empty uh, army barracks or ammo dumps. And really, as soon as you started going after the assets owned by the henchmen supporting Milosevic, you know they they wanted to quit. So I think you really, in addition to going after wherever this origin of those attacks were, you should go after the assets of the IRGC because they support the regime and really put pressure on them. I would prefer to keep it a little bit more limited than that. But uh, I I happen to notice uh, in Washington, D.C. and uh, up in New York at the U.N. meeting, we've got the uh, climate alarmists uh, in the street, um, you know, telling us that we have to forego fossil fuels and cripple our economy and uh, transform it into uh, an entirely socialist run system. Uh, And these same climate alarmists, which I would point out their uh, their parallels to to marxists um have nothing bad to say about china and yet china is the number one producer of the greenhouse gases that they that they hate so badly uh and they came out with a list i think it was of five nations that they filed a complaint against but china which has grown its uh, its coal production by over 200 percent in the last uh, five years or so wasn't on the list Yeah, and this is one of the things that absolutely drives me crazy. You know, the trade, the new bilateral trade agreements that we're negotiating negotiating are really about forcing our trading partners to actually have the same kind of labor and environmental standards that we have. So why would we force our factories to to abide by labor and environmental standards so that they could basically disassemble the owners of those factories to disassemble them, move them to China where they basically have, you know, um, no labor protections and they're making, as you said, coal based uh, electricity. So rather than making the world, the environment safer <laughs> by our policy, we're actually polluting the environment and exploiting people. So and I mean, destroying really our own economies that, in the, uh, to, uh, in the process, in the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the insanity of, uh, of our policy and the way it's been. You know, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, let me ask you, do you think it's insanity or do you think it's by design? Well, you know, I, I, I prefer to believe it's insanity. <laughs> <be more> positive. <laughs> <laughs> we, we like to think of them as crazy. 
I want to I want to uh, run something by you. I mean, I, I believe that despite the president's efforts to try to reform these trade deals, that the best policy moving forward with China is to just decouple our economy entirely from China, it, it, encourage our Western allies to do the same. And um, and it's based off of uh, somebody whose uh, opinion I respect on this topic. This is uh, Gordon uh, Chang uh, commenting on this. The only way you're going to stop this is not a deal because they have broken every trade agreement with us and almost every other agreement as well. The only way you're going to stop it, Lou, is just pile on the costs until the costs we impose on China are greater than the benefits that China gets. And by the way, China is getting somewhere like maybe $600 billion in theft alone. And then on top of that, you add the benefits they get from violating their trade deals with us. So we're we're talking close to a trillion dollars. I would support just, uh, you know, uh, tariff, putting such heavy tariffs that we'd price them out of the U.S. market entirely. I absolutely agree. I think uh, I think we need to decouple. I think not only force them uh, to pay tariffs, you cut off their access to West to our retirement funds. You actually cut off their ability to invest. Yeah, if they're to the extent that they're using their students and their researchers to to steal technology, you restrict their access to visas. And really, then once you do that and you start investing our capital into our own country again to build to rebuild our manufacturing base, to rebuild our infrastructure, to begin to spend on research and development again, you're going to see the economy take off like it never has. You know, one of the things that that we're running into is the fact that these these tax cuts. Are, are we're, those are running to the end of their you know, stimulus on the economy. We need to have some investment. And right now, with all the money going to Chinese companies and Chinese investment, particularly in the Belt and Road, from our retirement funds, it's not going to happen. In about 30 seconds, can you tell our listeners that uh, don't know about this, uh, about the rise of these Confucius Institutes on the campuses of our major research universities? Yeah, these uh, these Confucius Institutes are used to censor speech. So anytime anybody says anything wrong about uh, Tibet or Taiwan, then the students will protest, or they'll they'll um, cause trouble for the teachers or the students that are there. In addition, allows them to monitor the students to control what they say to make sure they don't become too Americanized. We have a half a million Chinese students in our university system now, and so the embassy can call up the university president and say, hey, I'm going to yank all my students, and all of a sudden the university's in the red. It's a huge problem. Well, and that's where a lot of our uh, cutting-edge uh, technology is developed, and they're in a good position to steal it as well. Retired Air Force Absolutely. Brigadier General Robert S. Spaulding's new book, Stealth War, How China Took Over While America's Elites Slept. You can pre-order it now on Amazon for an October 1st arrival. And you can follow General Spaulding on Twitter at Robert underscore Spaulding. That's Robert underscore Spaulding. General, thank you so much for being with us. I hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it for this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwanns.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. 
Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.